Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Straight out of Austin, Texas, it's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, statesman sports columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first on Second Thought. On Second Thought, episode 226, brought to you by Hook'em.com. Our good friends at Bud Light, drink them if you got them. I'm Cedric Golden. I'm usually joined by the Duck Kirk Bowles. He will be in in a second, but we had a moment that just couldn't wait with the Texas Longhorns playing Mississippi State at the College World Series. On Sunday, we had to bring in some people that knew about winning it. Members of the 2005 National Championship team, Seth Johnston, Kyle McCulloch, Buck Cody, and Drew Stubbs. What's going on, guys? Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, since there's so many... Happy to be talking about the horns in Omaha, too. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) Exactly. I'm going to start with... uh, with you, Seth. Uh, first of all, if any of you guys, I'll start with you, Seth. Have you been to any games? Have you seen them on the History Channel, a.k.a. Longhorn Network? <laughs> yeah, we actually went. Uh, Buck and I went. And I think, Kyle, you, you may have gone to the regional stubs. You yeah. were there Saturday mm-hmm. night. So we were all there at some point. Uh, so we got to see two good games uh, this weekend. And, I, you know, I know Buck and I talked about this, but the first thing we noticed was – these boys have been in the weight room. Good <laughs> gosh. We, I, I, I couldn't believe how big these guys are, top to bottom. Uh, so it was just impressive. And, God, they look, they look solid kind of all, all the way around. I love it. Well, well, well Buck, um, and I'll, I'll talk to you and uh, Kyle about this. Uh, Augie Garrido, rest in peace, my guy, always said you got to have four, at least four starting pitches to make – pitchers to make any kind of real run at this thing. And um, you guys had uh, – you, you two were, were in the mix. You had a freshman by the name of Adrian Alanis who threw a no-hitter against OU that year. Same weekend, Stubbs cleared the scoreboard on a walk-off. Uh, damnedest thing I've seen. Um, 16, Ken Kasparic. You had the old pro Randy Boone, Clayton Stewart, and then gritty gutty Jay Brent Cox in the bullpen. Uh, how tough? I, I'm not. I'm not going to ask you, Kyle, because you pitched all the time. But Buck had to pick his spots. The pitching staff was so deep. How frustrating was he, was it for you at times? Because you you hardly ever knew if you were going to get that that situational lefty lefty matchup or that bone thrown at you in San Diego. Because we got to talk about that. But uh, how tough was that being on such a deep pitching staff, Buck? I think it was uh, both difficult but also a privilege. Um, You know, one thing that Coach Garrido and Coach Harmon and others did a really fantastic job of during our time at UT was emphasizing the importance of all the different roles on the team. And, uh, you know, we looked at the – pinch runner off the bench in the eighth inning, uh, really no differently than we looked at the three hole hitter who, you know, played center field or shortstop. And at the end of the day, uh, to really reach the pinnacle and get to the very top, it takes, you know, maybe not all 25 guys on the roster, but it definitely takes 21, 22, 23 of them. And so uh, undoubtedly the best teams are going to have, the phenomenal, you know, key starting pitchers, the Jay Brent Coxes, the, you know, Kyle McCulloch, Seth Johnson's, Drew Stubbs. Uh, but those really good teams, they, they also have depth. And that depth can be, you know, the situational hitter. It can be the second team catcher. It can be uh, the left-handed relief pitcher. And so 
uh, you know, I felt like I was respected by the coaching staff, respected by uh, my peers and friends on the team and felt like uh, everyone understood that at times, you know, I had a very difficult job also. And so, while of course, the competitive side of me always wanted to play and always wanted to be in the game. Uh, I appreciated my role on the team in large part because I think the other guys appreciate it as well. Well, Buck, I know, I know you might not remember this, but I'm old and I have a memory like a trap. Um, September 6th, I mean, February 6th, 2005. It's a Sunday afternoon in beautiful San Diego. And we're all at the same hotel and I bump into you and I go, Buck, Doc Holliday just told me you're starting today. Don't you be up there parading around and adjusting yourself and walking around, taking your time. You were a quick worker, but I just wanted to remind you. And it wasn't because it was Augie's birthday that day. It was. He turned 66 that day. It was because it was a Super Bowl. It was Super Bowl Sunday. And you were pitching. I go, Buck. I think I got to win. Yes. You pitched five innings of shutout ball. Horns win seven, nothing. I was like, we need to get out of here to go watch the game. And so you took care of business. And I got to go watch the game with my cousin Gary in in, uh, Lemon Grove. So it was cool. So I will always remember you for that. Uh, Kyle, uh, before we get to Kyle, uh, Kirk Bowles joins us. He just can't stay away from pressers. David Pierce just spoke, and Kirk Bowles cannot resist a, a press conference. So you left you left some Longhorn greats waiting, but welcome to your own podcast, Kirk Bowles. Hey, he is in the World Series, okay? So I probably ought to listen to what he has to say. So, hey, fellas. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, I wanted to ask you guys about the dog pile at Omaha. Buck, were you the one that missed the pile? Well, you know, between Stubbs and Seth and a handful of other guys, there was a lot of money on that pile, and I didn't want to come in there and flash the pot. Did you see him get kicked in the face like Gilflin? Todd Gilflin is the only reason I remember him. He got he got crushed by a steel oh, yeah. cleat. His blood Ryan all over the place. Yeah. Was that Herrera who did it? Oh, my God. Well, hey. Uh, it's all, the only reason anyone remembers Herrera either. Oh, wow. Oh. <laughs> Brian, if you're listening, thank you for listening. But they said it and we didn't. Uh, Drew, Drew Stubbs, uh, All-American on that team, Letterman Steals. Tie for the home run lead. Um, always honest. The OSID Mike Fercucci would always try to coach you guys. And I would always tell Drew, if you come over here with that, given 110% crap, I'm just going to walk away. I'm just going to walk away. But you guys were always honest in, in your quotes. Um, Drew, as the, as the guy that played in the major leagues, uh, I was shocked that Seth Johnston didn't make it to the majors. Uh, were you shocked as well? Because we thought Carson Kiner was going to make it, but he had some health issues that everybody knows about. But were you shocked that Seth Johnston hit 378 that year and was was a, the man? And uh, were, were you really shocked that he didn't make it to the bigs? Well, I mean, you can ask Seth about that one, but <laughs> I, I think the uh, – the telltale story of that question is, you know, like any other sport, you know, you watch golf and you're like, you play with a guy and like, how is this guy not on tour? There are so many good players out there and there's such a fine line that separates a major leaguer from a double A player from a triple A player. Um, you know, I think I saw a lot of guys in the minor leagues that, I thought we were a slam dunk to not only make it, but to stay for a long time. And there's just so many, you know, injuries can play a part. Opportunities can play a part within your organization um, and then the consistency. So, you know, there's so many factors that enable a guy to make it um, or to disable a guy from making it. And, you know, I think, you know, Seth, um, very versatile player, Um, I think, you know, it's a real thing when you're drafted as a senior versus a junior, um, or plenty of guys that do make it as a senior, but, um, I, wouldn't you agree, Seth, that when you're a senior sign, maybe you have a little shorter rope. Um, but you know, I mean, 
he was right there knocking on the door. And, you know, I think if he'd have not been inclined to get started with another career post baseball, yes, I think he could have made it, but everybody's got to look themselves in the mirror at some point and say, Hey, is this something that I'm going to do long-term or are I going to move on in my life? And, you know, I could always respect somebody that was forward thinking and could kind of, um, you know, be at peace with the situation and move on when they needed to. Seth. Yeah. Stubb said consistency. I was consistently average in the minor league. So I got that one. I checked that box. Uh, no, he, he, he's right. You know, it's a, uh, it, it, the, the organization that you get drafted into plays a big part. And, uh, I was very lucky. I actually had a great time. I played five years in uh, San Diego at the time. Of course, they clearly didn't do their, you know, it's funny. There's, there were two teams I didn't, I didn't personally talk to, uh, the New York Mets and the San Diego Padres never had any communication whatsoever. And, uh, that was when, uh, Grady Fuson was running the show and he came from Billy Bean and he probably just looked at my on-base percentage and didn't look at the fact that I swung at the first pitch every single <laughs> at bat. So he didn't do he didn't do his real due diligence on me. But um, but we drafted a lot of a lot of really good young players that you know middle infielders and third basemen. And um, was like Stubb said, you you start you start getting into the the higher levels of the minor leagues, and there are some really really talented defensive players, and uh, and so that's. And that's what I ran into. And, and then it was also time to – it's hard to stay away from Austin. And so I, I needed to get back here and uh, I'd kind of had and – and also, like you said, I mean, I was – shit, I was getting old. It was time to go do something else. So had a good time with it and, and uh, it probably ended right when it should have. Have you guys watched many games of uh, this Texas team? And I'm curious what y'all think about uh, their chances in Omaha this week. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, uh, yeah, go ahead, Seth. Well, we were saying, yeah, we we were at the the super regional both games. Uh, took my boys up there, and and man, they 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 just look really really solid, uh, both offensively and and on the mound, and obviously defensively. <laughs> but uh, I was I was looking before this. I was looking at some of their stats, and I mean, you got I think there's six guys, six starters that are getting on base over 40% of the time, that's unbelievable. And so these guys are, they're big, they're hitting, they hit some home runs and um, man, I sure like watching uh, Trey Faltini at shortstop too. He's pretty fun to watch. He's so I think they got a really good shot. He's a stud. I love so, him. What do you think, Kyle? And I'm glad, I, I'm glad, oh, I'm glad that somebody finally, uh, you know, is faster and bigger and stronger and better looking than Stubbs too. So Antico <laughs> finally got uh, he got those stolen bases from him. Oh man, <laughs> what do you think about the pitching staff, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen a whole lot of games. I got to make it out to a couple of the regionals and um, or a couple of the games at the regionals and uh, took my boys out there. I mean, they they look good. I mean, starters are you know filling the strike zone up and they all look like they're. I mean. Throwing 95, it looks like, um, mm. you know, and then that closer comes in and shuts it down. So, you know, kind of to reiterate what, you know, Seth says, it seems to be that they've got a lot of the makings of, you know, that, that you need to make a, a deep run with, you know, you know, solid defense, solid pitching, and, and they've got the hitting as well. And they're doing the small things too. It's not like they're just hitting long balls. It, you know, Seth's point, they're getting on base and manufacturing things. So it's been fun to watch, and, you know, it's, it's going to be exciting this weekend. Do you have any advice for them? Because you guys were used to being there. Uh, mm -hmm. You've been there the year before and such a veteran team. David Pierce got two guys that we were on the roster when they were there in 18. So what advice would you give them to, to be uh, stay loose and yet, you know, have that confidence and maybe even some swagger as a two seed? You first, Buck. Looks to me like they have a considerable amount of swagger. Uh, and I say that uh, as a fan of Swagger, but watching uh, watching them play this past weekend where they dealt with some adversity, you know, late in the first game, dealt with some adversity to start off the second game, uh, they didn't panic. 
Uh, I also appreciated, you know, Coach Pearson panics. Uh, the second game, he stays with the starter, uh, lets him grind it out. Um, and so, you know, it looks to me like the confidence is there, uh, and rightly so. One thing that I really appreciate about this team, and I've really appreciated about Coach Pierce's teams, uh, really since he's been here, is the fight. And uh, even when, uh, you know, the, the team or the season has not maybe gone to where they hope to get, they consistently uh, fight back and, and, and fight for each other and fight for him. And the biggest example or evidence or proof of that is if you go back and look, when the other team scores, uh, we usually answer, uh, or we oftentimes answer, I should say, with a run. And, you know, even if the opponent scores two and we only get one or they score three and we get two, uh, to stop that bleeding and to come back is just – critically important. Coach Greedo always talked about momentum. And I uh, I tip my hat to Coach Pierce and the team uh, for doing, I think, a really respectable job of getting out in front of that and stopping the other team's momentum. And so, you know, I think if they continue to play just like they have, behave like they have, where they, they play for each other, they fight for each other, they all look very excited for each other, uh, you know, they should be in a good position. The last thing I'll say in regards to this is that one thing you see consistently with teams that go all the way is the unexpected. And in 2005, you know, it was uh, Will Crouch for a lot of the postseason. He was a, you know, a consistent player for us, but by no means a star. Uh, but when you look at what he did in the postseason, you know, from the regionals to the World Series, he was one of our most prolific hitters. Uh, then uh, Marol does the same thing, you know, in Omaha. And so my expectation is that whoever wins the College World Series, you know, it'll be some combination of the best team and then also the team who has one or two guys who show up and, uh, you know, play better than they have and do some really unique things. And that, that to me is what makes it, you know, really fun to watch. Well, Drew, um the one, the one thing that um, I know these two teams have in common, um, at the beginning of the year, you guys were you, – you started 16-0, and 0, and I'm like, are they going to even lose a game? This was – it was cake. It was cake. And um, they're going to go in as, the, as the, the favorite to win this, but you guys had a different road. After the 16-0, and 0, you get swept – by the Baylor Bears, and uh, I'll never forget this, Waco, they sweep you. Michael Griffin hits a walk-off hit, and Drew almost got to it. Uh, Drew, I don't know if you remember this. You grab the ball, you threw it into the Brazos River, and Augie famously looked at me, and he goes, we're number one in the country and last in our league. Um, what challenges did the Baylor Bears provide to you guys uh, they knock you out of the Big 12 tournament. Augie hated losing to Steve Smith. He made no secret of that to me. He just hated it. He hated it. Um, and then they're there in Omaha. So what challenges did they provide you guys? And how did they steal your wool going into that postseason run? Well, you look at their starting pitching. You know, Mark McCormick was a first-round draft pick. And, um, you know, they had Corey Van Allen, you know, high draft pick. Guys like – Michael Griffin and, um, you know, a lot of guys that played professionally um, in their lineup, but, you know, they were grinders too. And for whatever reason, they had our number, the, the walk-off hit you referenced, you know, I remember getting to that ball in right center and just being so like heated and frustrated. <laughs> I did throw it and I threw out my shoulder trying to throw it out of the park. But um, anyway, they get us obviously in the big 12 tournament T garden was hurt and we've got clay van hook back there catching, which is he's out of position and overmatched and we're not going to win that game um, with those circumstances, but we get to Omaha with a little momentum. And I think we all knew that, you know, a law of averages is going to catch up. And, and although they've had our number all year, it was about to be our time. And I think, um, <clears throat> you know, with the way that we ended our season the year before, you know, I think, everybody on this conversation will agree that the 0-4 team was probably the most talented team top to bottom that any Absolutely. of us played on. 
Oh, yeah. Um, it was so deep. It had so many great players on it. And, you know, playing probably two of our worst games of the year when it counted most was very, you know, disheartening. And we wanted to make sure that if we got that opportunity again, we were going to capitalize on it. So, you know, you, you factor in all those things and, you know, we got great efforts from uh, from all of our guys in those games. And, and like Buck referenced, you know, when it comes down to it, you've got your your guys that kind of lead the team all year, but but the big stage kind of lends itself to um, guys coming out of the shadows and, and being the hero, like a David Merrill, like Will Crouch. And, you know, probably the most memorable moment of Omaha is the Wheelis home run to beat Baylor, knock him out. So, um, you know, with this team, they're obviously led by some great starting pitching. They play phenomenal defense, which is going to keep them in most every game. And then they seem to get the timely hits when they need to. So um, love their culture. They're, they're clearly playing for one another. And, and um, they seem like they're, they're hungry and ready to get it. I was wondering when somebody was going to mention a Taylor Duck. I mean, he's only, only the hit of the series, right? Bum shoulder and all. Uh, you know, he had to kind of talk Augie into letting him bat before that home run, didn't he? Because mm-hmm. of his bad shoulder he's thrown out. Yeah, and, and then we asked Augie afterwards, like, why did you let him bat? Because he looked so bad in the previous ones. And Augie goes, I had to let him be the hero. And, I mean, that, that was the <laughs> quote. But th- that home run was the biggest play, one of the bigger home runs of the series. But the one – the one that got my attention and the best quote ever from Seth Joshua, who was a good quote, and he wouldn't let me use this one. Um, he takes McCormick deep in the first matchup early in the game. I don't was it first inning, Seth? You take McCormick. Yeah, first at bat. First, first at bat, first inning. So he takes McCormick deep, and then after the game, I was like, were you guys trying to send a message to Baylor? And Seth goes, No, we weren't, but this ain't Waco. This is Omaha. And I was like, oh, this guy's going to win the freaking tournament. I mean, they are so confident. Um, Omaha doesn't happen if you don't get out of Ole Miss. And that was raucous. Kirk, you remember that Super Regional. That was raucous. No, he does it because he, the boss wouldn't let him go, and it's as mad as I've ever seen him. You know how much Kirk loves it. Um, I'll start with you, Kyle, because you're a pitcher. Jay Brent Cox. Y'all had a chance to close them out. Jay Bird Cox uh, stubbed his toe in that second game and literally weeping in the locker room. How did you guys pull him together? Because uh, you knew you were going to need him to get out of that place and get to Omaha. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, you know, you know, Jay Brent, there's not much you got to get him to want to get back in the fight. I mean, he, he always wants to get back in. So, you know, he took his few minutes and, you know, he got past it and he was ready to go punch somebody in the face and uh, he got in there and got it done. Uh, and there's never any doubt on anybody on the team that if he got a second chance, it, you know, he was going to get it done. So, and, and speaking of Ole Miss, it was, you know, the differences between going from Ole Miss into Omaha was night and day. I mean, they were probably, not probably, they were the best team we played all year. Y'all, so made, no, y'all made no secret of that. When y'all got yeah. there, you go, we've already beaten the best team. Y'all said that. I mean, in the most hostile environment. Right. So, I mean, like we walked in there and just had the confidence that if we just kept doing what we did, we were going to win. I mean, was that the, the most intimidating atmosphere on the road that you guys had ever played in? They're, I mean, they're hanging all over the fence and everywhere, right? It was definitely up there. I mean, maybe maybe a couple of those Nebraska games, but I mean, it. I don't know. What do you think, Seth? I mean, I. And think of anything crazier in that place. No. Were they yelling at were they yelling at y'all? Were they heckling y'all much? Oh yeah. Yeah, I I remember pouring um, beers on you in the bullpen, everything. Great. (laughs) And right the right field berm behind the fence, Mm -hmm. um, where where all the frat guys were. And like so many other teams, you know, they do their research on what your your mother's name is, what your sister's name and Nick Peoples was the closest guy to him, and that poor, that poor guy just wore it for three games. And I, I can't even repeat a lot of the stuff they were saying and, you know, some of the things that they would write on Texas flags and stuff like that and wave them. And, um, you know, not only was the environment hostile, but that team was very scary. I mean, they had some guys that could hurt you 
offensively, they had good pitching and, you know, they're not a team you want to play in a neutral site, let alone their home field. So we get through that and it's feel like you've walked through the fire and now it's just like everything else is almost like a free roll. And Nick Peoples got even, he, he had a bomb when it mattered. And, um, uh, we're a quick story, duck. And I don't, I know you, I've told you this one. So you guys arrive, you're, you guys arrive there and they, they put you in a super eight and <laughs> First thing Augie says is, hell no. And I go, I go, and he, and he takes y'all to a Hilton, which is, I'm, where, where did y'all end up going? What city was it? Do you remember? Tupelo. You it was actually to, a Ramada Inn. It was not to, a Hilton. It was a Ramada. But it, was but, it was, but it wasn't a Super 8. And I asked yeah. Augie afterwards, I go, I go, why did you move everybody to the Ramada? And he goes, I will never stay in a hotel with a, with a number in the name. <laughs> <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so years later, Kirk and I, Augie's having his book signing and Kirk and I are going through the line and because we get a book and everything. And I tell, I remind him, I go, do you remember that story? He goes, what about me not staying in a hotel with a number? I go, yeah. He goes, he goes, I still stand by that. And I looked at him, I go, don't you live in the four seasons now? And he just... <laughs> He just busted out laughing, man. I, I can't, I, I just can't tell you how many stories. I know you guys have the stories, but me, of all the coaches Kirk and I have been around, Augie was one of our, our favorites. We miss him. We miss him. So, yeah, was there any great Augie stories any of you have from Omaha that, uh, that y'all remember from that year? So, uh, I think uh, we can repeat. Yeah, yeah that you can repeat on the show. Yeah. Well, you first, yeah, so uh, I think I think your great story. Oh, uh, I think it was oh when did we play Arkansas? Was that oh four or oh five in the regional? Oh four. Oh, in the regional was oh five, yeah. Oh five. Yeah, so we played them in the regional in 05, and they had a left-handed pitcher who was a freshman who I think went on to be a first rounder. Nick Schmidt. He, yeah. He beats us game. I guess it was our game two. Uh, nine, yeah. nine, nine, one. And right. So, yeah, yeah. So they, they beat us. And, and uh, so now we've got our back against the wall. You know, we've got to go through the loser's bracket just to get out of our own regional. And we get back to playing Arkansas the last game. So we've, you know, we've fought through the loser's bracket. They've been the winner's bracket. Uh, I guess we've beat them once now. So it's, you know, it's winner take all. And, you know, it's three or four minutes before the game starts and he brings us all in, you know, for our pep talk. And you, you see all these, you know, pep talks in the movies or on TV or what everybody thinks that, you know, the, the pep talk from the legendary coach Augie Garrido might be in a situation like this where, you know, everything's on the line. And he says, guys, he says, I've got – Plane tickets to Hawaii tomorrow. So he said, I'm either going to the beach or we're going to play more baseball. Either way, I'm going to have a good day. And he just walks <laughs> off. <laughs> he, he, wow. he, he actually, he said, I remember that. And Cedric to your, he goes, he goes, we're either going to get to play tomorrow or I'll be at the four seasons in Maui. Either way, go. my life's going to be good. <laughs> oh <laughs> so my good. God. So that was his way to relax us for that game. Of course, we all started, you know, rolling. We were laughing pretty hard. And that was, you know, just a typical kind of one or two liner and the brilliance of taking the edge off. And we go on to beat them and go to Ole Miss and, you know, go about our business. But that that's not an Omaha story, but a, I think a good postseason story that's uh, PG rated or better. Yeah, he was he was the Zen master <laughs> for a reason, Kyle. That's for sure. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm sure he's up at the Four Seasons right now, up in the sky, having a cocktail of right. wine. <laughs> uh, are any of you guys, let's start with Seth, uh, any of you guys uh, going to go to Omaha or, or are y'all just going to check it out on the tube with, the, with most of the rest of the English-speaking world? Well, you know, we, we, Buck and I at least, and I know a bunch of, a big group of us, Kyle and Stubbs and uh, many others. We've always talked about going. Uh, I have not been back since '05. Wow. Uh, and we were gonna go. We were gonna go this year and try to go. You know, and now I've got 
three boys and we've all got kids that are starting to get to the age where you could probably start taking them. But uh, we're, Buck and I are going to be in Florida with our families, I think that second weekend. And uh, so we, we might try to sneak up there, you know, on a, you know, an overnight midweek, hopefully next week, but it's going to be kind of tough just with schedules and stuff, but would love to go see him. But tell, tell our listening audience and they're actually people listening uh, about the family dynamic with you and Mr. Johnston that people may not know about. <laughs> uh, so I uh, married a girl from Oklahoma City, and she moved down here in 2008. And uh, Seth, vis-a-vis me and her, got to know her sister. And so I'm was married the second week of January in 2010 and Seth married my wife's sister the second week of January in 2011. Wow. And so uh, (laughs) Seth and I were college roommates in 2005 and have been brother-in-laws now for over 10 years. It's been awesome. We go on, uh, trips together, two or three or four trips a year. Our kids are all within, we, we each have three kids who are all within four or five months of each other. I have three girls. He has three boys. Um, and uh, feel very, very fortunate to be in a situation where uh, we have a tremendous amount of fun together. So very, very, very lucky. You guys have girls and boys. You can just keep this going uh, in the perpetuity here with this uh family lineage uh <laughs> well it's it's been a lot of fun and uh there's times where uh i wish i had some boys and i, I would have to think having been over at his house and seeing some of the destruction there's some times he wishes he had some girls <laughs> but, uh, we, 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 we've had a lot of fun and we're both very very lucky that is so cool, that is so my, cool. my wife my wife my wife says that she likes to say that I dated all the girls in Texas and had to come to Oklahoma to find a good one. And I say the opposite. I say, I say she dated all the boys in Oklahoma and had to come down to Texas to find a good one. So, Oh my God. Well, before we get out of here, Drew, uh, any message you want to give to these 2021 Longhorns as someone who's been, been to that place and, and walked out of their champion? Well, just they've done what they've had to do to get here and uh, they've done it well. And, um, you know, there's a reason why they're one of the eight teams left and just keep doing uh, what they've done all year. Um, you know, the one thing that Augie was very good at was simplifying the situation and taking it an inning at a time. Um, you know, you can't look at it as trying to be the best of eight teams right now. It's, let's beat, let's beat uh, Mississippi State first, and we're going to do it inning by inning and uh, just chip away at it. So, you know, putting your best foot forward and, and uh, throwing the ball, catching the ball, and, and getting some timely hits, um, just like they have all year, like I said. So um, if they do that, they'll be in good shape. You guys all wear your rings? I didn't think they're too I, heavy. I, we, and we got – and we they're too heavy, and we got too many of them. I don't know which one to put on. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, it. it's such a pleasure to catch back up with you. I know we're running short on time, but Seth Johnston, Kyle McCulloch, Buck Cody – Drew Stubbs, thanks so much for joining us. Buck, you're setting up a lunch. Make it happen, Buck. You're the leader of this group. True crime lovers are always looking for new and engaging content. The Already Gone podcast covers stories from Michigan and the Great Lakes region. Cases you haven't heard before, like the Mayo Hunters or the murder of 16-year-old Justin Mello, plus Better-known cases like the death of Jane Bashara and Illinois' own Lori Dan. Already Gone started in 2016, so there is a big back catalog for you to enjoy. Find Already Gone on Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, or your favorite podcatcher. Doug, that was such a great interview with those Longhorn greats. Um, I don't know if Texas is going to win the World Series, but there is a blueprint, and hopefully they'll follow it. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. So introduce our new guest. Our new guest is a Central Texas standout who took his who's taken his act on the road to the Little Apple. 
Kansas State running back Deuce Vaughn, the pride of Cedar Ridge High School. He joins us. Uh, Deuce, uh, thanks for ha- thanks for joining us on On Second Thought. Um, and uh, right off the bat, I'm going to give you a chance to apologize to the Oklahoma Sooners for doing what you did to them last year. Four catches, 129 yards in that 38-35 win, 165 yards of total offense. You can apologize now, Deuce. Go ahead. No heart, feelings. No heart. <laughs> uh, great team win. I mean, I mean, we battled that entire game. Uh, second game of the year. I mean, lost the first one to Arkansas State, and it was a great ba- bounce back win. And I mean, uh, just that entire game. I mean, exhilarating, especially for like your second college football game of your career. I mean playing in Norman, I mean, crowds electrifying. And, I mean, that team, Oklahoma, that's that's a great team right there. And, I mean, that's a great win for us whenever we uh, went down there and were able to do that as a team. Hey, hey, you're on the Austin podcast. You don't need to apologize to any <laughs> Oklahoma students, so you can save your breath. You know, Deuce, pleasure to have you on. And, man, you were the sensation of the Big 12 last year. You just, you know, took that league by storm. And – can you describe the emotions you've had, the way you just kind of broke out on the scene and your coming out party and just how many eyes you opened? Describe the emotions you felt. Um, I mean, my emotions were really all over the place. I mean, I surprised myself in a sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I came into fall camp and I told myself I was going to try and carve out any role that I could get on the team. And uh, I went, I'm just going to put my head down. I'm just going to go to work. And uh, that's what I did. End up getting to week one, and uh, Coach Anderson, my running back coach, was like, you're going to get some touches in this Arkansas State game. And I was like, Coach, I'm ready. And uh, went ended up playing and took my first few hits, got the jitters out, and then started, kept running. And I was like, you know what? This is this is just, I'm playing the game that I love. And then as the weeks went on, and as I watched more film and I got more comfortable, uh, I mean, Coach Anderson and Coach Kleiman kept trusting me, and then I kept putting my faith and trust in them, and then I was kind of out there just playing football, and as the season went on, I got more comfortable. I was having more fun, and, I mean, I just – I can't even put into words what I was feeling throughout that season, but I had so much fun, even with the COVID year and everything like that. And well, so, was there one game – was there one game, Deuce, where you went, man, I can play on this stage at a high level? There Was there one play or one game where you said, I got this? Um, it was really early because the Arkansas State game when I first, when I scored my first touchdown, um, it was one of those plays. We were inside the five yard line, and it was one of the things where I mean, usually don't give a five five hundred and seventy <laughs> back the ball inside the five yard line. So whenever whenever they called my number and I got it in there, I was like, I was like, man, that that's big time. And of course, the, the O line and the tight ends and even the wide receivers blocking all got me in there. So I can't take all the credit, but uh, whenever I touched that, I was like, you know what? I, I think I can play with these boys, you know? And uh, that's when the jitters kind of started to flow away. And I was like, I'm just playing football out here. And I, I was watching you and I was like, you know, we're old Deuce. Uh, I know <laughs> that's not a secret. We're old and I'm watching you and you lead, you lead them in rushing with 675 yards team leading seven touchdowns, you catch 25 passes. And I'm sitting here and I'm going, am I tripping? Is this the second coming of Darren Sproles? I mean, I know you have heard those comparisons uh, to the K-State legend. Uh, How big an honor is that for you? Because Darren Sproles not only put in work in Manhattan, but he had a great NFL career as well as an undersized guy. Uh, 100% is humbling. Because Darren Sproles is somebody that I watched whenever I was growing up because they got to the point where uh, went to the doctor and like, hey, I think your, your growth plates, have, they've closed up. So this can be your height. So I'm, immediately I went to watching Darren Sproles and now Tariq Cohen, who's in the league as well now. Oh, but he's great. Watching, watching Darren Sproles was mesmerizing because you saw him in San Diego, New Orleans, and then Philly. And you watch him and you're like, he can do everything. Here, here he is. He's catching balls out of the backfield. He's running in inside, outside zone. And then he's catching punts, catching kickoff uh, returns, taking them all the way to the crib. And you're like, if, I mean, that's the blueprint. Like, yes, that's sir. the guy. 
that's the guy like um hall of famer he second is second uh in all time uh all purpose yards second or third one of those he's right there he's right, he's right there with Eric right. Metcalf yes absolutely like and I mean just to even be mentioned in the same sentence with him is beyond humbling and I mean um I just say I mean right now I'm just trying to be the best version of Deuce Vaughn uh nice. because Rolls is he's a Hall of Famer he's going to have a gold jacket uh, not too long from now. And I'm just trying to be the best player that I can be at Kansas State and uh, be the best leader that I can this upcoming season is taking it day by day. You haven't met him, have you? No, sir. I have not. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, uh, just reading some of the background on recruiting on you is that when uh, you got there, Chris Kleiman and Coach Anderson, they said, you're not a gimmick player. You're not a gadget player. It's bring him in third down, put him in the slot and throw him a pass in space you, you are complete back and they were one of the first ones to believe in you were, were they not yes sir i um whenever i was getting recruited there were a lot of teams that were like um couldn't really in a sense kind of explain to me how they would use me and their offense which was uh a little concerning because it was like well we'll put you in the third down and uh, play as a receiver kind of and yeah. you can get lost in the playbook when you're trying to learn receiver and running back and you're getting thrown in all these packages and things like that but whenever I went to on my visit to Kansas State they were like we're not going to do anything we're going to throw you right into our offense we're going to go play football and that was one of the biggest reasons why I chose Kansas State because they were like we want you and all of you to come play for us and we're not going to change anything uh, because of that. And uh, that belief and uh, th this coaching staff is what really got me up here to Kansas State. How many offers did you have total? Um, I believe six. Where six. were they? Um, North Texas, um, USF. I had Air Force, um, Arkansas, Missouri, and then Kansas State. Yeah. And Kansas State wasn't the first, were they? No, sir. They were just the most impressive and the most inclusive. What do you think of Chris Kleiman? And, you know, he's relatively new there, too. What do you think of him and what he's building there? Coach Kleiman is the most genuine coach I've been with, or I even talked to throughout the recruiting process, and then it's carried over to whenever I got there. He's a player's coach. He uh, Every single day he comes to the building, and he's talking to every single one of us. It's always open whenever you need to talk. I mean, he's always there for us, and he's – a really, really smart coach. Coach Messingham was the offensive coordinator, smart, smart coach. I've learned so much football from his coaching staff than, uh, than I have even thought of. Uh, whenever I was coming out of high school, I mean, even fronts, odd fronts, uh, how to read a picture of the defense before the play snap and then what it's going to like when it changes, whenever the play does start. I mean, all those things are things that, of course, I thought about, but now I'm getting to the point of mastering because of these coaches. And I mean, I can't, I can't give that to anybody else because I mean, without them, I was, I was not going to learn that. And then um, as far as just people, I mean, great people, uh, great family men. I mean, they're, te they're teaching us how to be great family whenever we leave Manhattan. Well, Deuce, you guys, you, you, lo you lose the first game to Arkansas state, but then you are the story of the big 12 in the first half of, of play. You, you, you win four straight games you beat Oklahoma, number three team in the country. You you beat Texas Tech. You go to Fort Worth and beat TCU, never easy. And, and then you pump Kansas, 55-14. But uh, then you don't win another game. How much of that was just – was it injuries? Was it COVID? What went wrong in the second half of the season? Um, a lot of COVID injuries. Um, I mean – the, the back end of the season was a whirlwind just because of injuries, COVID hit. I mean, it's crazy. You can't really chop it up to any one thing. There were a lot of things that were going on as far as COVID and injuries. I mean, hey, we're missing these guys. Missing these guys. Friday, you missed uh, your uh, starting guards are gone on Friday, the night before the game. And um, just all those types of things that added up and – uh, we tell ourselves now that, hey, like that's that's in the past that doesn't define us as the team that was working out during the spring and the winter workouts and now it's the summer that uh, doesn't define us. We're going to uh, move ahead and ready for this 2021 season because without COVID and everything like that, we've got to go out here with the product on the field without uh, any of those distractions in the background. 
Well, what do you see for this coming team as far as, you know, what you are have back on offense and what do you think you are going to be capable of? Uh, we're going to have a very, very experienced O-line. Uh, last year, a lot of uh, our starting five were getting their first starts of their career. And, I mean, the leaps that they have taken through the spring and the winter workouts announced the summer, whatever we're watching during sp- spring ball is, I mean, they can play. They can really, really play. And uh, it's very exciting. And then having Skyler come back is very, very exciting. And then having Malik Knowles, Chabaston Taylor, Phillip Brooks, and a very experienced wide receiver room is very exciting. And then getting some transfers in as well as far as um, uh, Daniel, uh, who has been all over the place, and now he's here with us at tight end. is really, really athletic, good player. And then you look on the defensive side of the ball, you got some transfers there, bringing back some guys. Khalid Duke is back. Um, we got uh, Jerome McPherson back. We got Julius Brents, who's a cornerback, uh, came in, transferred from Iowa. Uh, Rush East at safety. We got some younger guys. T. Denson, uh, T.J. Smith is back. Uh, just, and it's crazy because, like, all these guys that you're watching, going to watch play, are going to be back next year as well. We're such a young team, but mm-hmm. there's so much experience in that uh, in that youth. And I'm super excited to, to see those guys cut it loose and go and play. And I can't wait to be right there next to them. We are really excited that you are going to be making your triumphant return <laughs> your home state to open up the season September 4th at Jerry World. Wow. Stanford, K-State, how excited are you to be playing in, for my, for my money, the nicest football stadium on the planet, right up the street from where you grew up? <laughs> Very, very, very excited. It's pretty crazy. I've never played in uh, Jerry World. I've been to a few games in there, and it's it's completely mesmerizing. Uh, I'd probably put up there with the best stadium in the in the country as well. Probably the world. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Um, but very, very excited, and uh, try not to get ahead of myself. I believe we're like eighty days out. Just trying, to, <laughs> trying to take it day by day. But yeah, I mean, I'm miss, I'm missing football right now. But uh, just trying to take it day by day watching the film, uh, doing everything I can in the weight room, uh, out on the field in these runs, uh, building that team bond, uh, bonding. So that whenever we get there, it's just time to go play football. We all got each other's backs. I mean, I'm so excited to see everything that not myself that I'm going to do with my teammates that I've been grinding for and grinding with uh, on that Saturday uh, evening. And, and I don't know if you saw yourself wearing a burn orange at some point, you know, having played in Cedar Ridge, obviously your dad, Chris, uh, uh, was on Charlie Strong's coaching staff here. Uh, you know, I read where you sat in team meetings, visited with Quandry Diggs. I mean, did you think of you might someday play in a Longhorn uniform? And what would it be like playing in Memorial Stadium? Um, I did for I, – I, I I'll admit I did because I was a UT fan whenever my dad was coaching me. I, was, I went to every single home game, a few away games, and uh, right. I did all the chants, the Texas fight. I knew that. <laughs> the eyes of Texas, um, all of it. But when I got older, I started to grab my own mind. I was, you know what, I'm wherever I'm going to go and play football is going to be wherever somebody that wants me and, uh, the best, they know, know what's best for me and what I want, uh, out of football and what they can, uh, give me and just the best institution for schooling as well and everything like that. And then football, of course, and, uh, I landed in a great spot in Kansas state. So, Will there be some payback, though? Oh, absolutely not. No, sir. Never. <laughs> never, no. never. He never. was raised right. Kurt, Kurt tried to bait him. <laughs> he was raised right. Never, never payback. Just playing football and there's no hard feelings whatsoever. I'm so glad I landed in Kansas State. I got a great place. I got great coaches, great uh, teammates. And can't wait to play some football this year. And you won't have to think about long what it's like to play at DKR because Thanksgiving weekend, the deuce will be loose in (laughs) Austin, November 26th, Friday. It's already an 11 a.m. start. He's going to be here, Duck. And uh, I think he might give Texas the business. He's not going to tell us, but I can just look at him and tell. He's he's looking for that challenge. He likes that. Is that right? Is that going to be a big challenge for you? Oh, every game is a big-time challenge. Some great players on every single week, but uh, ready to go. Hey, when uh, Darren Sproles was playing uh, for the K-State Wildcats and they were coming in here, I wrote, whatever you do, Mac, do not punt the ball 
to Darren Sproul. <laughs> and he did, and he ran it back to the house and, and got him beat. So uh, uh, will you be returning punts and kickoffs this year? Uh, to be determined, we have a great punt returner. I mean, All-American, Philip Brooks and punt oh, returner. Yeah. He's oh, coming yeah. back. So uh, as far as that goes, that may be his job back there. But uh, may on and off with the king off return uh, duties, just depending on my role in the offense, how many touches I'm getting, don't want to wear uh, myself down too much, kind of like last year. But uh, Malik knows Philip Brooks. I mean, those guys are – all-American caliber when it comes to returning uh, punts and kickoff returns. So, uh, great players. So, if I'm not back there, still got a whole bunch of dangerous, dangerous dudes. And the last thing I got for you is you don't get hit hard. What's the secret to that? You do not take big hits. I, I get asked that a lot, and um, really it's peripheral because there, if you take a head-on collision, there's a way of taking half the man. So, if there's a 6'3", 240-pound person, if you take half that person, it's really – about 120. Um, so you're only getting hit by half of them. And then for peripheral, if he's coming from the side, be able to see him and kind of shoulder yourself or kind of, uh, I don't know, kind of brace for that contact in a sense uh, before it gets there, it really helps. And then falling on shoulders, uh, whenever you're falling, there's a thing that like, I've had many friends that fall and they break their collarbone because of how they fall. You're supposed to fall, not necessarily fall on your back, but it's kind of like a turn. I can't really explain it. I mean, it kind of just comes naturally to the point where it's just like, hey, like, don't break a collarbone, like, you know? And I kind of just fall over and I roll into it. It's really hard to explain. I get that question a lot, but I mean, I don't know. And my body kind of just reacts and kind of feels uh, where guys are coming from and then attacking half the man uh, whenever it's head on, head on. You, you, you can't tell he's a coach's son, can you, Kurt? No, no, not at all. He knows a little football. <laughs> he knows a little football. Deuce, man, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, the K-State Wildcats open the season September 4th at Jerry World against Stanford, and then he'll be in town uh, in Austin to play the Longhorns on Thanksgiving weekend. Good luck this season, and uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, stay healthy. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it, Deuce. Good luck to you, buddy. Thank you. Doug, what a great podcast today. Longhorn greats, Buck Cody, Drew Stubb, Seth Johnston, Kyle McCulloch, and K-State's Deuce Vaughn. Just love the conversation today. We will be back next week, hopefully, to talk about the Longhorns who are still in the College World Series. We'll see about that. But for now, that does it for episode 226 of On Second Thought. For the Duck Kirk Bowles, I'm Cedric Golden. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Seth and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play.